0: Welcome to Uri Podcast with Susie Briggs and Alan McClure. In this episode, The Emperor's New Clives, Clockwork City, a brand new Spotify Challenge, and the three wee butterflies. We fear hope you enjoy it, folks. Dive in.
1: New clays. <laughs> Yence upon a time there was an emperor we thought he was the bees knees. He thought he was the bees knees cos he wore the most fantush clays ye had ever seen. Gowden jackets we buttons that skinkled in the sunshine. Breeks, the colour of the sun, in his shin were trimmed with pearls and silver buckles that were fair per jink. His hats were summit else muckle constructions adorned with feathers for the rarest of birds that his milliner could get her hands on. He was never satisfied, though. He aye wanted to get his hands on the latest thing in fashion. He didn't care who strange or rare it looked. He just had to have it. The people he looked after didn't much care for the Emperor, because he didn't care ower much for them. The folk were poor, and there he was, the high hejin cutting about in the best of gear, gowden jackets and feathers, pearls and skinklin' buttons. All he could think of was his cell and how he looked to the rest of the world. Yindi! Twee Con men come up with a plan to trick the Emperor <laughs> and muck some money out of him. They dressed in their best clays and chapped at the palace door. They introduced themselves as master weavers we come from far, far away. They tell the emperor that they wove fabric that was so magical that only clever folk could see it. The emperor liked the sound of that and sat down on his fancy throne and he listened. Your woven fabric is groundbreaking. It's out of this world. The most fantous clays you'll ever lay your in on. The details, the quality and all the colours. You're no gonna believe your in, one you know of them says. The Emperor sat forward in his fancy throne, fair interested. Aye, says the other fella, nobody has ever seen the likes of it afore. We cast a glamour that glisters all over the fabric. ye would be a glick at gawk no, to see it. We can muck you a fine suit that would make all body jealous. The emperor flung his head back and laughed. Ha, <laughs> ha, what are you talking about, he says. I'm no a gawk, and there are no gawks in my palace, nor in my empire, and if there was i chop their heads off without even hinkering about it. You twe can make me a suit that will muck my people gasp with wonder and bum them. And when I straveig doon the streets of this city, they'll ken ways the high hedion run here. He gave the men a room to muck the clays and ricked away, they gave out their orders for gowden thread, silk as saft as air, hunters of apparels and gems and rare bird feathers. When they got all that, they put them in pouches and a big bag and sneak it the gear out to the palace and they hid it. Then they went back to the room <laughs> and with various ploys and tricks pretended to weave and sew and make the emperor his new clays. Every morning the emperor woke up and was gagging to see the fancy new clays the men were mucking. He would sit at his breakfast table and hink to his cell. I can wait to see the new suit they're mucking, but what if I can see them? <gasps> what if I can't? <gasps> that would make me look claikit. I'd be a gowk in front of everybody. I'm going to send you and my men in to hear a swatch at these new clays first. So he told his tap lawyer to gan in and hear a keek at the new clays. And when he looked in, he saw hee haw, nothing, just the twee con men pretending to make clays. The lawyer turned red and thought about what he was going to tell the emperor. He thought to himself, "I can't see aught. If I tell the emperor that, he's going to chop off my head for being a glake at gauk." With that in mind, he lied to the emperor. The emperor took him to the side and asked, "Did the clays look as braw as I imagine? Do you think the weavers are nearly finished yet?" The top lawyer's face went red, and he says, I well, they do look bra, you're going to love what they're mucking for you. I've never in my puff seen such finery, and that is saying something. You'll need to see them for yoursel. But the emperor was still feared to hail cell. What if he couldn't see them? And then he would be the glake at Gowk. Then what would he do? So he sent for the heed bailey to hear a keek at the new clays. The heed bailey heeded over to the room and opened the door. Inside, the men were pretending to sew and weave clays for the Emperor. He couldn't see ochd. No fabric, neither thread, there wasn't even a button. The heed bailey didn't want to get his sheet chopped off for being a glake at gawk for no seeing these clays. So he went to the Emperor and happily lied to him. Och, these are finest clays I've ever seen, Emperor. Absolutely divine. I went here look at them yourself. The emperor felt good. After all, his twa top men had seen these fantoosh clays, and they couldn't be wrong, could they? By midsummer, the Hale empire was buzzing about these new clays. There had been such a clamour and blather about the emperor's new clays that all body was keen to see what the fuss was all about. They had been told that if folk couldn't see the clays, then they would be glake at gokes and would hae their heads chopped off for it. A big day was planned where the Emperor and all his posh friends would parade through the main city to show off the new outfit. The big day came when the twee slicket men came swaggering into the Emperor's throne room with the new clays and a kist. We he brought your fine new clays, yin ceremoniously said to the Emperor. They pretended to tuck it out of the kist and went on to describe all the details of the cut of the fabric the techniques they'd use to create intricate effects, describing the perjink details of the embroidery, the stitching and beadwork. Check out the fine pearls on the trim of your jacket. Look at them. They're shimmering like beams of moonlit on water. And see the fine goud embroidery of swans and roses along the seams of your silk breeks and your silk shirt sleeves. "'Oh, look at the skinkling gems "'sewn across the shoulders and sleeves of your jacket. "'All would be jealous of such fine beadwork. Na' other jacket like it in the hail world,' "'said the cornman. men. "'Braw,' muttered the Heed Bailey, "'we'd been summoned back to appraise the Emperor's new clays. "'Aye, braw! Stoughton!' cried the tap lawyer. "'But the Emperor couldn't see a single thread of these clays.' There were nae perils, or gems, or silk, or gowden embroidery. There's nothing there at all. What was he going to do? He couldn't admit to no seeing them. That would make him a glaket gowk. And then, what would he do? So he took a deep breath and says, Well, I have never <clears throat> seen such fine, eh, uh, such bonny finery as this afore. I mean, eh... Uh, "'Oh, look at the details, the thought of every stitch, the, the fabric. "'I've fair trick it with my new clays. "'Oh, words are, are, are no enough to tell you how chuffed I am with them.'" The sleeket men helped the emperor get undressed so he could put on his new clays. The emperor got stripped right down to the buff and they dressed him in the clays that were no actually there. They pretended to do buttons and straighten the cuffs and collars and lapels they smoothed out the bumfles and wrinkles of the fabric that was there. The first lickit man says What a sect you're like a god in them clays. Tuck a look in the mirror. The Emperor Kent he was naked, but didn't he want to appear as a glake at gawk, so he kept up the pretence and looked into the mirror. He pretended to be pleased with his new clays. Now all the posh folk that hung about the emperor. Didn't he want to look like glick at gouts either, so when they saw the Emperor, they kept their mouths shut. The Emperor was parading round the palace. We need clays on, and about to head out to parade round the streets or the city. <laughs> the folk were all out waiting outside the palace for to see the Emperor's new clays. They were told that if they couldn't see the clays, then that meant they were glake at gouts, and that meant the emperor would chap your head off as punishment. So you can imagine what happened next. As the emperor paraded in front of the crowd, there was not a peep fit on anybody. They could see he was naked, no a stitch on him. And for a long minute, there was just silence, with the occasional snicker. <coughs> Then one brave soul started to clap their hands and another started to cheer. And in seconds the crowd were all cheering and clapping and pretending they could see the fine clays on the emperor. I'd love a pair of bricks like that. The detail is divine. I love that colour, it fair suits him, they all said to and another, pretending. But one wee laddie was the he and only o it. He pulled at his mummy's sleeve and shouted, that man's in the scuddy. He's nowhere in anything. I can see his bohoocky and hang. <gasps> his mammy tried to shush him, but he wasn't for shushing. He ran to the front of the crowd and shouted at the emperor. Where's your new clays? We can all see your bohoocky. You're in the scud. And then he started laughing and chanting. The emperor's in the scuddy, the emperor's in the scuddy. Aubrey Kent and the Wayne was wrecked, and they started to giggle. And before long, everyone was chatting like the wee boy. The Emperor's in the scuddy, the Emperor's in the scuddy. The Emperor felt like greeting, but he held his head up and stuck it his chest proudly. He walked back to the palace with a pure ready, still pretending he was wearing the most fantouche clays in all the world. The emperors and the scardy. The emperors and the scardy.
0: The it's time for Scottify, in which Susie challenges Alan to write a song about a Scots word.
1: Hello, Alan. Susie, hello. How are you doing?
0: Oh, half a wheel. How about yourself?
1: I'm uh, not bad, not bad. Um, I've got a wee Spotify challenge for you.
0: Oh, about time! What is it this month?
1: The word is.
0: Quiet lads and lassies, wans it's easy to forget Keep our heat's doing in our classes, dinny fashion, dinny fret Louder voices get attention, brighter their colours bold and vain. we respect, can we just mention, we're us, you're all a lane We're the clue to ruin the dumpling, keep it hale until it's done Sure we can, you make be something, but there's mere than number one It needs day and no for medals or award Bigger brash or bairns I say And quiet wings, just leave you bored You can be the salt and pepper Chili sauce, exotic spice Mac a plain meal, slightly better On your ain you know that nice We're the clue to ruin the dumpling Keep it pale until it's done Sure we can, you may be something But there's mere than number one Us. We're the bowl that hugs the porridge. Nathan happens. We're us. The beat that keeps the music thumping. While guitars and keys play on. The Flutter in the colady dumpling. We're us. The dumpling's gone. We're the flute to the dumpling. the dumpling. We're the flute to the dumpling. the dumpling. We're the flute to
1: the dumpling. the dumpling.
0: We're us. The dumpling's gone. City. Here's a wee tale about a big important man. A who fair thought he was irchy, biding in a big house in a big city, a man o business. See, he kent he was important because he lived in a big house in a big city. They didn't just let anybody he one of them you can. What the man did for a living, Disney much matter. I'm sure it passed the time, and he'd a ween of folk working for him, so it must have been important. What does matter, though, is one very weird detail about this big city. You see, in most it was just like any city you could imagine London, say, or New York, or Ochtermachti. Streets full of cars, folks striding up and down, busy, bustle, business. But in this city, there was something very odd about the folk. You see, this was clockwork city, and all the folk in it had big silver keys sticking out their backs. If you wanted the people to get about their day, you had to gee those keys a wee wind. And of course, they couldn't wind their own keys, because they couldn't reach behind themselves to do it. If that sounds a bit inconvenient, it's because it was a bit inconvenient, but then, you have to stop what you're doing for a bite to eat sometimes, do you know? And you wouldn't get off a far if you didn't. Oh, anyway, that was the deal in Clockwork City, and they just about got along. You see, since you'd I need someone to give your key a wee twist when you were running a bit low, you had to make sure to do the same for abdi else. If you were popping to the baker's, for example, and you seen old Mrs McGinty slowing down and stopping on the pavement, you'd take time to give her a couple of wines. There you go, Mrs McGinty. Hey, good day. Ah, oh,
1: thanks, love. You and all.
0: But our big important man, we'll call him Mr Hedion, had a bit of a problem with this system. You see, he'd figured out that the energy he was using to wind up other folks' keys was actually making his ain' key run down a bit faster. And you ken, that couldn't be efficient. It's all well and good, he says to his cell, if I'm winding someone important... But I simply cannot be wasting my time and energy winding people who are less important than me. I'm afraid they'll need to take care of themselves. He summoned the board of directors and tell them straight out that he wouldn't be winding them up on a You'll still see to me, of course, but we really can't be wasting energy on people less important than ourselves. We'll... The board fair liked the sound of this. They were fair fed up having to wind up, not just each other, but even the managers they dealt with. They called in the managers. Managers to the boardroom, please. All managers to the boardroom. I'm awfully sorry, you chaps, but we won't be winding you up anymore. You'll still see to us, of course, but we can't be wasting energy on people less important than us. And after they went ready to wind Mr Hegin if he needed it. So the managers had a wee chat. Eh? Hey, if we're winding them, but they're not winding us, we'll all run out of wind. Uh, tell you what, there's no way we can carry on winding up the supervisors. Nay, doot, you can guess what happened. Supervisors to the manager's office, please. Supervisors to a meeting was called, and the supervisors were geared their merchant orders, "'Nay, Mayor windin' for the managers. Ah, but they'd best no forget to gee the managers a wind when required.' And so on it went. The supervisors telt the section heeds, the section heeds telt the deputy section heeds, and the deputy section heeds telt the flare staff. Doreen and Billy had been flare staff for near on twenty years, since lying afore Mr Heedgen took out of the business. "'Heel,' said Billy, "'if we're windin' them,' but they're no windin' us. We'll all run out a wind. Aye, Doreen shot back, and there's nobody we can ginty for help. And I'm not do hurt it to tell you, but they were exactly richt. In nay time at all, Flare staff were starting to seize up. First one, then another, grinding to a halt and stunning like Stookies, completely helpless. And of course every time one of them was out for the count. That was one less to help with the others. A 4 the last of them wound down with a waysome sigh, and the shot flare fell silent. Uh-oh, thought the deputy section heeds. That's not good. When they flare staff to help them, it wasn't a line till they stared at slowing down, their wee clockwork motors running out of puff, one after another, completely banjaxed. Deary me, thought the section heeds, this looks worrisome. We need deputies to help them. The rain winding started running out. Perhaps we didn't think this too, said the last of them, just as his motor geared up the ghosty. <coughs> hmm, said the supervisors. We may have a small problem here. You can the score. They lasted about twenty minutes till they'd all run out of steam. The managers ran out even faster. Finally, of course, the only one we only whined left at all was Mr. Hegin, and it was a lonely old feeling. I may not have thought this through, he muttered. He gazed into the boardroom where the giant mahogany table looked as if it was surrounded by statues. Every board member completely wound down, gazing sadly at their still reflections in the shiny wood. We'll now... He did spend a wee bit of time wondering whether this might be good for him. After all, the board were always arguing about his decisions and the managers were always asking for pay rises and the supervisors needed to be shown everything a hundred times before they got it and so on and so on and so on. But really, where was the fun in being the most important fellow around if there was nobody else there to admire ye? A his key could start to slow down, he stepped into the boardroom and started twisting every key he could lay his hands on. The still figures slowly woke back to life, a little bum-bazult, but glad to be awake. Quick! Quick shouted Mr. Heedron. Go and wind up the managers. Off they went, a chorus of whirs and pings, and they got the managers back into action. Then they went to the section heeds, where well, went to the deputy section heeds, so well, I finally made it to the Fleer staff. Of course, they all needed a wee bit extra winding when they got home, but partners and parents and wains all lent a hand as usual. And so the story ends. We athen just about back to normal. The only difference is that in the commotion, Abity forgot to wind up Mister Hedion. They were all off celebrating, and nobody could hear him shouting for his office. I won't forget this, you ungrateful little girl. Doreen found him the next morning when she was emptying oh, waste paper baskets. She telt oh, the board, this- of course. And they all agreed that someone had better do something about that very soon. But you can't wait. They've no just got round to it yet. And Athens seems to be running just fine.
1: Butterflies. Yonce upon a time, there were three wee butterflies. We were the best of friends. They'd kent in another since they were wee hairy ubits, and they played among the nasturtiums and the cabbages. As you may ken, hairy ubits didn't stay as hairy ubits for long. After a while, they find a safe place to curry theirselves doon and wrap themselves up in something called a chrysalis. And there they stayed until, yin day, they popped yin by yin and they come out as bonny butterflies. When the three wee butterflies popped out, they discovered that their wings were all different shapes and colours. The three friends admired each other's wings Oh, look at your wings. They're all yellow just like the sun. Such a happy colour. Your wings are gorgeous. bright red like a rose-flower. I love them. Look at my wings. They're the colour blue just like the summer sky. And the three butterfly friends fluttered up into the air and played together all day. They would have races to see we would get the highest or we could find the best hiding spot. They fluttered through gardens and meadows, and they had the best time. Then, all of a sudden, the sky went awfully dark. The clouds rolled in fast, and rain came blattering doon the butterfly friends had to stop playing. We wet wings, they couldn't fly, and the rain come on that quick, they'd nae time at all to fin shelter. soaked through, the three wee butterflies crawled along the floor bed to fin shelter. They juked atween the raindrops and plashed through peery puddles. Looking up, the first wee butterfly with the blue wings saw a big yelly floor. And she cried out, Hello, excuse me, please can we tuck shelter in your lovely yelly petals? The fluer looked down at the three wee butterflies and stiffed. The butterfly with the yelly wings is the only yin that can shelter here because I am a yelly fluer. The three wee friends looked at one another and shook their heads. The butterfly with the yelly wings spoke up. We're all friends, yin twa three. If you didn't want them, then you can hear me. Suit yourself, get wet, I didn't care, huffed the yelly fluer. The three wee butterflies trudged on, juking between the drops. Then the wee red butterfly saw a big blue floor. And she cried out, Hello, excuse me. Please can we take shelter in your lovely blue petals? The Fleur looked down at the three wee butterfly friends inside. <sighs> the butterfly with the blue wings is the only one that can shelter here, because I am a blue Fleur. The three wee friends looked at one another and shook their heads. The butterfly with the blue wings spoke up. We're all friends, yin ain't way three. If you did not want them, then you can't have me. "'Suit yourself. I'm not bothered,' huffed the blue fluer. "'Oh, dear. The poor wee butterfly friends were getting fair chittered with the rain. "'And still they trudged on, juking between the traps and plashing through peery puddles. "'The butterfly with the blue wings saw a big red fluer "'and asked, "'Hello, excuse me.' Can we tuck shelter in your big red petals? The red fluer looked down at the three soaking wet butterflies and said, "The butterfly with the red wings can take shelter, but no, the rest of ye, cos I'm a red fleur. The three wee friends looked at one another and shook their heads. The butterfly with the red wings says, "We're all friends yin twa three, and if ye didn't want them, then ye can't hear me. Sit yourself." "'I couldn't care less,' said the big red fleur. "'The sun, who was keeking atween the rain saw what was gin on, "'and she admired the three wee butterflies we wanted to stick together. "'And she was scunnered with the three fleurs, though. "'What a white gan on! Terrible!' "'The sun focused on the three butterfly friends, "'and shone that wee bit brichter until all the rain disappeared.' The butterfly friends crawled their way onto a big stain and streaked out their bonny wings to dry. The sun spoke gently to them through the warm breeze. As a reward for your friendship, I made you something bonny. Then she made a colourful rainbow appear. The three friends squealed with delight and fluttered up into the sky. They played tag among the money colours Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. And at the bottom of the rainbow, the sun made a big fluer grow, and it was all the colours of the rainbow. The three wee butterflies fluttered down to take a closer look. You can even shelter here, sang the rainbow floor, because I'm a fluer for a body.
0: been listening to our podcast with Susie Briggs and Alan McClure all stories, songs and adaptations are by Alan and Susie and the music and production is also by Alan we'd like to thank everyone that supported us by buying us a coffee or joining our Patreon page and if you've given us a wee like and a wee share we really appreciate it folks we can't do it with you and we hope to see you next time all the best